0: Already been prayed over, so I'm going to jump right in. My name is Millie Hale, and I have been with the nest since there were eight women and myself down in the play, uh, the little playroom area. I used to sit with moms, and we would just pray through. Um, anyway, so I was just loving on moms down there, and I just had such a passion for discipline, and that's always been my passion. Do you want me to use that mic? Okay. And so that, so it was just my passion, you know, down in the playroom with these eight moms. And we would just go through a book, pick a book like uh, Dare to Discipline by James Dobson. And we would just go through these books and the kids would be playing around. And ironically enough, I would bring my kids with me. And at the time, this was over 10 years ago. So they were probably, I mean, I know Blaine, I'm not sure if Sally came, but I know Blaine and Gracie came a lot. And um, we would just sit in the playroom. And so one day I was talking to the moms and my son ran over and he said, mom, tell them about when I was three. And I said, you tell him about when you were three. I had no idea what he was going to say. And he goes, he looked at all the ladies and he said, I got a spanking every single day of my life. And I'm proud of it. (laughs) And it was true. He did. And so he's the one that really, you know, my first child was one that, and she's here today, which is such a blessing. These are actually my three children and my husband, Blaine. Uh, Sally is 22. She graduated from A&M in August and she just started DTS. So there's such a blessing. She has such a love for the Lord and has such a, such a love for truth. And there's no greater joy than to hear or see that your children are walking in truth. Um, then I've got Blaine who just graduated. And so a lot of my heart as I was preparing for this study is about Blaine because he really was my one that kept me on my toes um, And so there's a lot of what I've just, as I've prayed through this and really wanted to share with you because I I really do get a lot of phone calls about moms that are in, in distress about their kids and their behavior. And so I hope my prayer today is that this talk encourages you, but more importantly, empowers you to get back to the Lord and get back to, you know, really the job at hand. And then I've got Sweet Gracie that's a sophomore. And you know, you think about, if you put 18 marbles in a jar... Guys, every year on their birthday, take one out. I've got three marbles left. That's it. And so I'm trying to be so intentional with my time with Grace as we go forward. You can move it. Um, and then this is just my kids. Blaine, um, he's at OU, and he is on the golf team at OU. And so this was his signing day. So we were all happy for him. As that was a big day for him. Okay, so what is, what is the call to parenting? I love this story because that's about what it looked like when I got my call 22 years ago. That's what phones look like if you don't remember. But, I mean, I think th- this is a mom, I think on the right, that she just got the third call. She's pregnant with her third child, I envision. And her, her youngest is chewing on the wooden spoon. So she clearly needs to call me so we can talk about what she needs to be doing. But it's the greatest call. In, in all kind of joking aside, it's the greatest call to be a parent. I think that's in God's commission to us. He says it in Deuteronomy. He says, and you can go on to the next slide. He says that um, to love the Lord, your God with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your heart. Well, actually with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments are to be upon your heart. You got to do that first. God's commission to us is that we've got to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. And then we're going to, it'll embed truth in our hearts. And then we're called to impress it onto our children. Um, and that's when you talk, I mean, when you talk, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up and I love in this, in this particular version of it, it says, talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, which I envision driving in the car and when you are going to bed and when you're getting up. But it says again, you're going to repeat them again and again and again and again to your children. So it is an ongoing. And I used to think it was like beating a dead horse. But when you, as you grow in wisdom, it becomes a rooting and grounding. You want the roots to grow so deeply into the ground because that adds the stability for what your family has. So it's rooting and grounding. Okay. So this is what that verse looks like. It's just day to day life. I mean, there's going to be two types of training that you're going to do with your kids. You're going to give them formative instruction and you're going to give them corrective discipline. And I will tell y'all right now, I hate to break it to y'all, but if you've had any opportunity to to kind of try out your, uh, your uh, corrective discipline, that's not your finest moment. So you have to be very intentional about the formative instruction. And that's every day, every single day. And so this is what it looks like. It's, it's all those times when you're coming alongside your children and you're talking about the Lord to form is to shape and to mold. And so we've got to be doing that every day. Okay. So what, so what's the deal is I've given you your charge and your commission. Um, And so I'll tell you what the Lord says about sin. Sin began with the apple. It began in Genesis, in the garden. And so um, you, it's hard to believe that when you get this little baby, I see a lot of strollers back there, and I see a lot of people that are you know, probably looking at me going, my child's going to be different. It's not going to do this. And then I get that call about 15 months. And I mean, literally, I got a call the other day from my mom, and she said, I took. She's like, I am chomping at the bit to talk to you. And I said, well, I'll be available 11 o'clock. She goes, the minute my kids go down for their nap. And so when I finally got a hold, she finally got a hold of me. She was bawling on the phone because she said, I didn't think my child at 15 months, I sat in your discipline class and I didn't really, and now I'm in this, I'm like. Calm down. We're going to talk about this. We're going to work through the details. So it's hard to believe that this heart, read words that God uses talking about the human heart, deceitful, wicked, discontented, self-centered, self-seeking, disbelief, prideful, distressed, evil thoughts, anguished, weary, and if left untreated, guys, it leads to hard heartedness and pain and destruction. Okay. So one of my favorite verses is, I think, put this in your heart right now. Because this is what you need to know, is that we're called to train our kids, and folly is bound up in the heart of the child. I can tell you, I hate to break it to you on the back tables, but is is the key word there. And it's either point oh one to 10, unless you have a son like mine and you have an 11. But I mean, I'm just saying, it is bound up in the heart of the child, Sally's folly, when she was young, looked like the left. She had it, but it was a loose ball of yarn. And then Blaine came along and redefined folly. Okay, so that's kind of what that looks like. But I know three things for sure. Your child was born sinful. And I know that because in Romans 3.23, there's not one righteous, not even one. And then in Genesis, it goes on to just say every inclination of the human heart is evil, even at childhood. And so even our, we do the hokey pokey too, going through evil and and folly and all that kind of stuff. So, okay. Okay. So this is, this is what I'm talking about folly. You know, we had a lot of fine moments in our Christmas cards, but this happened to be one of them. Sally's looking all beautiful, and she's saying, okay, I know the rules. If I smile and just do this and get it over with, but Blaine looks like past the mozzarella. I mean, his smile is so cheesy, and I was like, Blaine, quit smiling like that. Well, next thing you know, he and Gracie shared a room for a long time, so they had this connection together. So then he's doing this on her head, you know, and making her laugh, and then Sally's still going like, if we could just get this picture over, we can get it over with. Then she stormed off. And then we got Blaine and Gracie, you know, interacting the way they normally did. Then Sally came back, and that's what we got from her. So I want to say right now, this is folly, and this is childishness. Did Blaine get a spanking for that? No, no, he didn't. Because I didn't say to him, okay, we're going to take the Christmas card. If anybody makes any funny faces or cheesy smiles, then you're going to get a spanking. I didn't handle this. This was just great pictures that you're going to look at and laugh later. So this is foolishness and the folly that's bound up in the heart of the child. Okay, so we've got our things. So folly is bound up in the heart of the child. Folly is a state of foolishness or, you know, the lack of understanding. And sin, guys, make a note here too. Sin is not a laughing matter. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for sin. And so if your kids are doing this at three, at you, that's not funny. We want to laugh at that. And maybe we want to go off to the bathroom and laugh a little bit and chuckle. But this at 13 is not going to look good. So you've got to handle that kind of, it's the heart, the heart of the issue. So don't make light of what God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. So where do we have tools? What do we need? Well, the Bible tells us that all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training toward righteousness. So if you want to use the Bible, God created these kids. So if you want to use the Bible it's a real good place to start but I think everybody before you embark on something like this needs to sit down and write an I believe statement. Figure out what it is you believe. You may believe that Jesus died on the cross he's going to meet you at the gate. If that's what you believe then it's a place to start. But I would encourage you to dig in deep and really figure out what it is you believe because it will it's going to reflect in your parenting what you believe. Okay, so, and then I'll tell you this one, like I've already kind of mentioned. If you were going to go to Waco or go to Austin and you didn't know how to get to Austin, you'd get a map and you'd look at the way or you'd, you know, punch in on on Google Maps or something. Well, if you got to Waco and there was a huge wreck, then you'd have to, you know, it would probably say rerouting, rerouting, because y'all are so fancy with your GPSs. I like the old map style, but then I had that phone, so... um, I mean, you would probably, so every child, my heart is saying that every child, if you think you have this solid plan, because I've had my first one, I'm ready for the second one, I know exactly what to, forget it. There is going to be a lot of rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And so I'm just saying, there's no two children exactly alike, and that's God's design. That's his perfect design. Okay, so when I was preparing for this, when Blaine left, I had this idea. I did a little thing for Sally, not, not like this, but I decided to write, to, to compile a book for Blaine when he, in May, when he left for college, on uh, wisdom words. And so I'm just going to read you the, this is what it looked like in his book. And I, I asked everybody, I asked coaches, aunts, uncles, grandparents sisters, siblings, all to compile a a letter for him with wisdom words and whatever that looked like for you. So here's the poem I wrote at the very end of the book, and it changed my heart of what I wanted to tell you guys. Looking back, I hope you see, our love grew unconditionally. I was a little nervous to have a boy, but these 18 years has been sheer joy. To be born on Valentine's reflects the heart, a tender and sweet one you had from the start. But then folly showed up at the age of three. God's plan for parenting is to set man free. Not to accept that you wanted to run wild, but to root out the folly bound up in the child. Our job as parents became quite clear. It involved prayer, scripture in somebody's rear. We, we moved through that and on the sports scene, and out came this very competitive gene. One Easter egg hunt, you cried, that's not fair. Reality in life says that justice is rare. People always warn me, oh, when he gets to be a teen, he's going to be disrespectful and sometimes mean. The normal teen boy that was never you. Thankfully, of those moments, you only had a few. For in our 18-year-old boys, you don't normally find qualities like patient, humble, loving, and kind. Competitiveness channeled has served you well, and coupled with humility, you cannot fail. This doesn't mean you'll always win, but in the losses, there's a message to send. Talent and passion is part of your story. Win or lose, give God the glory. In our four walls, you've been a treat, and I thank the Lord for this front row seat. Our home is defined by laughter and love, recognizing that everything comes from above. You love Your, your love for your sisters speaks out loud, and you enjoy each other, which makes me so proud. These last few months is sure to go fast, and then life as we know it will be in the past. For everything in our world is about to shift, but I'd love to give you an everlasting gift. I wish I could give you a love for God's word, but until you get it, This sounds absurd. The Lord, he promises an abundant life and to walk in his ways will limit your strife. There's a joy and a peace that I want you to know, but closer to the Lord, you will have to grow. He's longing for us to seek him first. Just look his way and he'll give you that thirst. The road ahead has a twist and a turn, but knowing his ways will help you discern. It's the gift of truth that keeps on giving and creates a life that's all worth living. They say a picture says it all, and I've included a few. You make the call. Reflect back on these in a story they tell. I pray as a family we loved you well. I pray your dad and I did our part. Tuck all this wisdom deep in your heart. Return with honor hangs by our door. So wait, make wise choices, need I say more. And I tell you that because you can go on... I tell you that because guys, you know, I started in dentistry 30 years ago. I'm a dental hygienist. And we used to always take the x-rays that were up on the left. They were a horizontal view, a horizontal x-ray. And I will tell you that we discovered a few years later that that wasn't the most effective way to get pictures of people's teeth. So we started doing a vertical view. And I will tell you, and every three years, we take a panoramic view, which is a big picture view. My heart wants y'all to do away with the horizontal x-rays. You know, just because Suzanne has a big house and a maid and, and Julie's kids obey better than yours and and, you, and her husband is so helpful around the house, God's put you where you are right now. And your job is to do a vertical view of what's going on in your life. So, so I, I think when the Lord says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, he wants us to have a vertical view. Get rid of these horizontal views. I mean, y'all have got Pinterest and all these things that are robbing you of what you've got in front of you right now. And so I'm just going to challenge you. I want to give you today a big picture. I want to give you, empower you to go out there today and change maybe some things that you're doing right now or keep walking stronger in what you're doing. Um, and I love, we'll go back real quick. I love the fact that it says... And, and this Psalm 78, some of these things, I want y'all to go back and read these. But it says, um, he commanded our fathers to teach their children, the next generation, even the children that were yet unborn, to arise and tell their children so that they should set their hope on God We've got to be, and not forget the works. When you're giving your kid in the formative instruction a big God, which you better give them a big God, because this world is going to rob them. And I will tell you, all of our children, we were born to worship. And you see that even from the smallest child when they want to, oh, I want the Elsa costume, and I want to watch Frozen, and I want to watch. And then you've got the child, oh, can I get a, a poster of Jordan Spieth hanging in my room? And can I get this, and can I get that? That's a heart. I'm not saying those are bad things, but I'm saying the world's going to give them things to worship. And, and there's a lot of things that we worship. Oh, I want to shop here. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, you've got to realize that we've got to give them a bigger God than we do. And, and it's okay with the, all the, you know, the, the, the sidetracks, but I'm just saying you've got to give our kids a big God. So we've got to look at like Mandy. I loved when Mandy did in her talk, the remembrance stones. You know, right, whatever it is, I am compiling a book and I don't even know if Sally knows about that, but I'm compiling a book of where I'm seeing God working in our life. And it's got pictures and different things in it that it's called, I call it the dessert for the desert. So when I get in those hard times, I can look back and remember when God took me through those storms and I'll tell you, you can go ahead, the best parent in the world the best and most effective parent, the wise parent is the one that's tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Because let me tell you something. If you've tasted something, if I, if I just, nobody in the world had tasted chocolate and I put a piece of chocolate on the table for all of y'all to taste, you would leave here and go, Oh my gosh, you are not going to believe what I tasted today at the nest chocolate. I mean, we would be telling everybody about it. We've got to be... T- if you've tasted and seen where the Lord's worked in your life and you've recorded something in your heart and your mind, then you're going to tell them about it. And so that's going to be the most effective parent. Okay, so the purpose. Let's get to the purpose. Um, the purpose for discipline is to train your kids. In First Timothy, it talks about train yourself to be godly. Physical training is of some value, but godliness is for all things. And so what you want to do is you're tr- to train. We know now about their hearts. They're, they're wicked and sinful and, you know, deceitful. And so we know we need to train them. Uh, there's a girl that I met in birthing class 22 years ago, and we've remained friends this whole time. And her, husband, her husband's been doing, like, CrossFit or strength training. And so about a month ago or five weeks ago, they invited me over to do some. Tr- I love to work out. That's always been a big part of, of who I am. And so they invited me over to start lifting weights with them. So I thought, well, that'll be great. Well, I couldn't walk for a week. But we did all these squats and we had weights on our back. And, and you know, the the motivation was when you've had a parent that goes through cancer you've had somebody that that you know has been weak and my mom's never worked out. And when I saw her battle that and then Patty's mom has had a lot of stuff, I started after about you know, like the other day, I told him, I said, oh my gosh, I'm walking so much more confidently. I've always had issues with my back being in hygiene, but just doing the strength training for four weeks. And so I wanna tell you that when you're in God's word and you're getting, I, I know what this verse means because when you're getting stronger and you're walking, that's what God wants from us guys, is to be confident, be empowered, be strong in what we believe. And so that's the purpose for that. Okay. So what if, when we know our purpose and what happens is we have to know and believe that God called you to this task, that he's entrusted you. When you look at Psalm 127, children are a gift from the Lord. How you view the gift is how you view the giver. And so when you start thinking about that, this work glorifies him and he is at work in all things. So, uh, so I'll just help you fill in the blanks. God is entrusted and called you to a task that glorifies him. He is at work in all things. He's confirmed that in Romans 8, 28. Through him, you will have strength and stamina to endure all things. And Isaiah 40 is a great deal to, to, focus on because Um, he says, you're going to grow weak. I hate to tell you, you will grow weak, but I am going to help you be strong because I never grow weak. So he's up 24 seven and you will have joy and peace even in the tough times if you're looking. But I think so here, that's a clear view of what parenting is. Okay. So if we lose sight and guys, some of you in this room have lost sight. And so you have grown resentful of the demands discouraged, and discontented. And let me tell you something, discontented, that I've seen in us women, and, and maybe men too, can lead us right down the road to depression. I hate to even bring up that word, and there's going to be a lot of talks, and I love, go back and listen to, Man, I mean, go about everything we've had this fall, and I know what the lineup for the spring is. It's going to encourage you, and it's going to back up a lot of what I'm saying, but just your identity in Christ and who you are. But if we grow discouraged and discontented in our routine, if, it, if you see it as a routine, you know, remember, it's a 24-7 job, this commission that we're called to, and also we're irritated and impatient. Okay, so we gotta deal with the past. Everybody Sally hates when I say this, she always like, what does that mean? But I always say, Well, everybody has a fig leaf. You know, everybody's hiding. You know, in Genesis, when God called out to to uh Adam in the garden, he said, you know, I was afraid, so I hid. He hid behind his fig leaf. Everybody has a fig leaf, but guys, you're gonna hand down three legacies to your children emotional, social, and spiritual. And a spiritual legacy, that's three legacies. And in, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. That's Ecclesiastes 3.12. So you want to bind that up so strong. And that spiritual legacy is so important. Um, I think when you look at Hebrews 12.1 12, 12, and 2, it's just talking about what is the sin that so easily entangles you? Because it's going to be different for your neighbor and different for this person. Um, and so you've got to deal with that. And then 2 Corinthians just says, we are a new creation in Christ. We need to live like that. So deal with the past. Sit down with your spouses. I love that so many spouses came. Thank you all for coming. And, and I want you to look at, you know, how were your, if your parents spanked, I've worked with a girl recently that said, she was spanking doesn't work for my child and so I, I said, okay, well, tell me a little bit about that. And so as we dove into it, we th- I figured out that her parents abused spanking. And she, was, she felt it was more abusive than it was effective. And so I said, okay, we've got to change your heart about spanking if you're going to incorporate that. And, and goodness knows if that's something that, you know, you had a bad experience with, then that may not be a tool that you want to use, a, a consequence that you want to use, but you, we've got to get you something that's going to be effective. So a spiritual legacy is important. And that's just, that's a fig leaf, Sally. Be sure and look at that. That's a fig leaf. (laughs) Okay. So if anyone lacks wisdom, ask and the Lord gives generously. Generously. Wisdom is what we go to. And so that's, this is on prayer. Um, And so what, guys, prayer is a big deal. And this is, you know, it's just like if you, if you have a Kenmore dishwasher and you were going to go, it broke this morning. You're not going to call me to fix your Kenmore dishwasher. You're going to go to Sears or Kenmore, and you're going to go straight to the source. Well, God created these little people. So you know you need to go to the Lord first. And so prayer is wisdom is a big deal. I love it in Proverbs 2, 1 and 7. It's the if and then. If, um, well, let me see where I wrote this, because I thought, if you accept his word, store up his commands, turn your ear, apply your heart, call out, cry out, there's times you have to do it, then... And I kind of pulled this up. I mean, I could just rattle off. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart. I mean, it's the if and then read that whole thing on Proverbs 2. It is such a sweet, I mean, really, I limited to one through seven, but I'd read the whole proverb. It's so sweet. And so what is wisdom? You go to school to get smart. You go to the Bible to get wise. And so we need to know what his ways are, his works, his will and then we need to respond to that. Meditate on his word. Heed godly counsel. I used to meet with a girl years ago and she said in her community group, if you hadn't been in God's word, then you weren't allowed to answer if, if somebody was struggling with their children. And I agree with that. You don't want somebody, oh, my son, when he, we were trying to potty train him and we uh, and we tried this, well, yeah, that's okay. But you make sure that you want that friend that's going to say, you know what? I just, I'm going to be praying for you about that. And they follow up and they encourage you and strengthen you. Something from scripture because guys, you know, that's my only regret in having an hour to talk to you is that, you know, I have a four week study. That's an hour and a half. And I, there's so many verses that I love that, that, and I had to pick just one to put on here. So I just think there's so much wisdom and truth. Okay. I used to think for myself that when you prayed for your kids that went into a filing cabinet, when they got to heaven, that they were going to, you know, I just envision that, you know, when my son or Sally walked up to heaven and said, Yes, yeah, Sally, hey, like she's checking into heaven. And they hand her like a little folder like that. And that would be all the prayers on her behalf. I want when my kids get to heaven, I want them to say, Oh, Sally, your room is right down there on the right. And it to be just a, a filing cabinet of all the people that have prayed on their behalf. I just think that's how God works. He wants us to cry out to him. Okay, so if you think you know the best teacher for your six-year-old next year, and oh, I've already figured that out, submit your plans to God. You're either gonna make him really laugh, but when you do it, be sure to give him an eraser. If you're not praying about teachers, praying about friends, praying about their friends right now, even friends they interact with all the time, Sunday school teachers, people that can impart things into your child and build them up. It takes a village. Right now, y'all are in this stage where y'all are in the discipline phase of life and you've got the most control, but that's going to, the circle's going to widen. Okay, so we've got to understand because God's discipline always grows out of love. And so that's the one thing of working with moms for over 10 years, I noticed that we don't understand the love of Christ. And so I just think that, you know, when you look, you're a new creation. And like I said about strength training, God says, I will praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. One of my big, t- I'm a visual learner, and that's why I always do a PowerPoint. I love Mandy's little, and I kind of stole that from her, but I loved it, and I've thought about it a bazillion times, is that hermit crab. I don't, we're not pet people at our house like we have it, like, clipped out of our dictionary. There's no such thing as a pet. But somebody out here has a hermit crab, and I didn't know that, but hermit crabs hold on to their old shell. And God says, we're going to have a tendency to try to hold on to our old shell, even though they don't fit anymore. You know, so God wants us to be confident. I know that full well. What does that look like? We've got to learn the love that God has for us. He created us. There's no mistake. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, which have on there, it it doesn't say, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Keyword search says, be convinced. God wants you to be confident and be strong because you're going to walk, not arrogantly, you're going to walk more confident. Some of the greatest people I know, some are younger than me, but they, they are, they're lovers of truth. And, and really, one of my really great friends, I look at her and she's so full of wisdom and she's confident, but I love to be around her. And that's, I'm saying, run to people that you know that are salty Christians. Boy, there's nothing better than to sit at the feet of somebody that loves truth and loves the Lord. Okay, so here we go. We're going to do discipline phase, 0 to 5. And in that, there's going to be a lot of formative instruction. There's going to be a lot of corrective discipline. Then 6 to 12, you're in the training phase. 13 to 17, coaching. And 18 is the friendship phase. So I have clung to this verse more this past year or last year when Blaine was a senior than I've ever clung to it. And the key word search there is train up a child in the way they should go. Okay, I felt like Blaine and I did a job. I don't know that we did a good job, but I know we were trying to be intentional the majority of the time. And when he is old, and I kept looking at Blaine going, oh, he's not old yet. Because he would do some things even at 17 and 18. So you've got, it's when he is old. Train up a child the way that he should go, but when he is old, he will not bar from it. And so there were times that I knew the folly was still in his heart. There's my three marbles and they're not great. Okay, so under the umbrella of God's authority. Okay, so ideally what it looks like is umbrella, dad, mom, child. Now, I thought my sweet Jojo that, that, Ray, that really was my nanny for... I, I worked th- three days a week when Sally was little and cut down after that. She was going to come today, and I just got a text that she wasn't able to make it. But she had, was a single mom when she met me, spoke very little English... And I knew when she was on the phone with the broken English, I I just kept saying, oh, my gosh, that's who's going to raise my kid. I mean, who's going to partner with me when I work one or two days a week, who's going to partner with me to to train my kids. Didn't even know her at all, but I got this overwhelming peace. And so she walked in. She was two hours late, but I still had that peace about it. She got on the wrong bus. But, you know, I just knew when she walked in, she didn't even say hardly anything to me because she couldn't. But she ran over and grabbed Sally. And, she, and I just knew that was who's... But I'm telling you, she was a single mom of a two-year-old at the time. And this, this probably breaks me up more than anything, is I've watched her faith grow and grow. And, she, and if you see us on our 11 o'clock service on Sunday, on uh, our um, 11 o'clock service for Christmas Eve, Josephine will always be with us and her daughter, Laura. Laura is so plugged into the porch here, and she is so passionate. And she was a single mom And it wasn't easy, but I'll tell you, your picture may not look like that. You might be a single mom out there, but don't be discouraged about that. You keep your eyes on the Lord wherever you are, whatever you're and stay under God's umbrella, and He will make good out of that. I can promise you that. Okay, so if you were if you had just birthed a little baby train, and you know you see this probably with your kids. You know, what? and you envisioned, like, where's a train going to experience the most freedom? You look at the train, a train that's grown up and has no tracks, and it's sitting just abandoned in a yard. Guys, the train on the right is going through the valleys and the meadows and the this. and, And I've got my son doing that, but this will set you free. Truth will set you free. You're in this discipline phase right now. You are laying the tracks, whatever that may be, for your little trains. You're laying the tracks for those trains, and where your children are going to experience the most freedom is with solid, good tracks. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be some friction and some sparks that fly along the way, but that's where your kids are going to experience the most freedom. Okay, so what does it say about what does corrective discipline look like? Well, God under his umbrella has a very clear image. It's rod and reproof discipline and instruction. Those have got to go hand in hand. If you think you can just walk around with a rod and you can just spank and yell and do all that, it's not gonna go well. Those are not good, solid tracks. And so this is kind of a picture of what the rod and reproof looks like. Sally, see, I reproved her so well, she was reproofing her brother in the bottom right. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so it's, it's, it's uh, Proverbs 29, Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. And then it's also, I mean, I didn't know any scripture. Literally, when I had my kids, I really knew Jesus wept and for God so loved the world. And I knew I wanted more than that. So I got in there and I just looked up what does biblical discipline look like? And I just Googled discipline and I wrote down all these scriptures and I put them on a, a wooden spoon. Because with a wooden spoon and with that spanking and what God calls for that, it comes with a huge responsibility. It really does, and so your heart has to be right. I like the fact that I had to walk and go get that, and when I came back and I was going to utilize it, I had my heart, it was aligned better for what I was trying. My intention was to train, not to beat them to death. And so a spanking is not a beating. It's an attention getter. It's a pop on the leg. It's almost like, stop the insanity, let's regroup here, and let's talk about this, Okay. So this is so I put some scriptures that were specifically on my wooden spoon. So why do you? I say put the chip in the plinko board. Why are you going to discipline? Put the chip up there, and it's going to spit out on willful disobedience or disrespect. Okay, willful disobedience or disrespect, and so that's about what it looks like. And the respect issue, I will tell you, it's very important. Probably the proudest or the or the most. I don't know how to say it. But anyways, the fact that my three children genuinely love each other is probably... the the thing that gives me the most peace and joy is that they love each other. And I will tell you that in our house, we always had a rule and it was that everybody played. We just, we always had this respect issue and it ran from mom to dad, dad to mom, child to mom, mom to child. And if my children, I can remember one day Blaine was talking disrespectfully to his dad. I didn't walk over there and say, you know, are you going to let him talk to you that way? I addressed the child and I said, Blaine your tone of voice with your dad is so disrespectful. And Blame was like, yeah, it's so, you know, he got on board because I didn't down his parenting. I came alongside him and said, whoa, wait a minute. You know, we need to reassess this. That's sounding like it's coming from a cloudy heart and, you know, what's going on here. And so respect is gonna be one of the most important things. Just like Allison said, we've all been given a blueprint in God's word. And I can I can tell you, I could rattle off 10 families right now that I enjoy their college and grown children, and I know they've stuck with and loved God's truths and words, and I love their children. They're just such neat children. They don't look like my children, and they don't look like, but I know those parents, and I know they enjoy their children. It's because they stayed on the track. They stayed pushing, they're just plugging on and, and they knew it was for a good cause. So respect is a big issue. So obedience, this is just what obedience looks like under God's umbrella. It's a submission to God's authority that causes a child to do what, is told, what he is told to do by his parents immediately without excuse or questions. And so I think We need, you know, our kids are called in Philippians. That was one of my one things that I quoted a lot for for my kids was obedience, doing what I'm told when I'm told. And I said at the time with a cheerful attitude, but I really think I love Allison's take on that. She always tells her kids doing what I'm told when I'm told with a good attitude. And then also Watermark likes to say with a trusting heart. And I see that because we want to appeal to our kids that God's put you in a family that you can trust. That loves you, that's gonna do what's God's best for you. And so I see Blaney, whenever I'd say, you know, obedience, because he was my child that when I called him to obey, you know, he was one of my children that would I would say, don't stick, don't put your hands on the fireplace screen. It's hot, and it could burn you. Well, he was the kid that wanted to put his hand in the fireplace, and so you know, and he would not only want to do that, but once I just you know kind of laid the groundwork out there, he would intentionally go over there and look at me and put his hand in the fireplace. So he was my one that was always kind of pushing that envelope to the next degree. But you know, there was a lot of consequences for that as well. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so what I, what I decided was with obedience, another thing I was going to say about the respect too was, you know, when my kids were little, we had a rule in our house that everybody plays. And that was just our family rule. And I remember Sally had a friend over one day, and she was like pushing Blaney out and wouldn't let him play. And they were playing house. I mean, they were seven. He was four or three at the time, almost four And so they were playing, and so Blaney's down there crying, and so I called the girls down, Sally and her friend, and I said, you know, I think Blaney needs to be able to play. Our family rule is everybody plays. And y'all are playing house, and every family needs a dog or a son or a dad, and he's happy to be any of those. And so this little girl started crying. She goes, well, that's not our family rule. And I just say, you know, there were times that Sally would have friends over that I would... You know, entertain him and keep him out of their hair. But I always made times where I encouraged them all to play together. Because I will tell you, and you need to shorten that circle up when your kids are not getting along. I just think that's a big deal. Um, I'll kind of jump down right here on this script part. I had a script for my kids, and and it was funny because Blaney, we were talking about it on the way driving out to Thanksgiving, and he goes, Mom, I don't ever remember you doing that. And Sally goes, yes, she did. So, you know, hey, they're not going to remember everything you do. But I would always, I kind of clung on to and I incorporated scripture. You know, when the Lord says, it just dawned on me. I mean, when I would, my most effective parenting, wise parenting was when I took a scripture and I incorporated to use it for what, it, what was going on in our home at the time. So my kids at the time, Sally and Blaney chose to bicker a lot. We were at Northwest Bible at the time and I can remember vividly driving over to Northwest Bible for Wednesday night church and them bickering the entire way over there. And I would always just start saying, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth but only that which is helpful in building others up according to their need that it may benefit those who listen. And so I turned around, I said, guys, do you not understand? Was that building your sister up? I mean, I'm in the building business. I'm in the hell building business. Who's in it with me? And so they all kind of, you know, put their hands on and We did one, two, three, hey. Well, then I said, okay, you know what? Because y'all weren't building each other up, I need y'all to get outside the car and y'all are going to kiss on the lips for a full minute. Well, they were like, Mom, no, that would be... I said, I'm sorry, we're not going in until y'all kiss on the lips. So they stood out and they're looking, their friends are walking by, are y'all, come on, are y'all not... uh, They'll be there in a minute. They've got one little thing to do. Well, finally they would kiss and they would laugh and they would run on in. But sometimes, you know, a friend of mine called, the same friend, Patty. She called and said, Yeah, my kids are just driving me nuts. And she said, I've got, I just sent, you know, Bradley to his room and Aaron to his room. I said, oh, no, 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 mom. Don't ever do that. You make them sit on the couch, leg touching, holding hands for 20 minutes. She goes, what? And I said, why would you separate them? That's what my mom used to do to my sister and I. And we really, I mean, we're not as close as I would love us to be. And so she said, okay, well, I'll try it. So an hour and a half later, she said, they're still sitting. I keep having to reset the timer because I said, make sure it's 20 minutes. But I said, I called her back later in the afternoon. I said, where are the boys? She goes, well, they're playing together they're enjoying each other. And I said, see, we can't, we've got to be wise. You know, like that get along shirt, you know, when you put the kids and I like that. That's a cute idea. You've got to have a good sense of humor. I'm going to tell you right now, when I would go to the grocery store and my kids would, you know, my kids always thought when they got to the checkout line, they'd always say, they'd pick up the candy at the end. maybe next time. And I was thinking, why do they say that? And I thought, because I say that every time. And they Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Well, if they pitched a fit, you know, I always looked at the lady at the checkout and said, I'm sorry, this is the last time I'm bringing my sister's kids to the grocery store. You know, I just didn't want to have, I didn't want to let them rob me of my joy in the Lord. And so you've got to make light of it. And I tell moms now, when you go to the grocery store, you better make a list. Things I have to have for tonight for dinner things that would be nice to have for breakfast, and then pie in the sky. And you know what? If you're pulling into the grocery store and you can tell it's not going to go well, you better call your husband and say, oh, honey, if you're planning on using the restroom tonight, you may want to stop by and get some toilet paper. We don't have a, a, a square to spare. You know, you just got to be, you've got to have humor about it. Your husbands, I guarantee you, and I take a show of hands but I won't embarrass anybody, your husbands want to help you. They really do. They want to help you, but we're so busy with that cape on our backs that we don't ask them. And guys, they are part of your team. They, they, this is going to bless them. And if you're fortunate enough to be able to stay at home, the greatest gift you can give your husband is a heart of contentment wherever you are and just not that that vertical view. So I would say if I didn't do this with my kids, but I would have done that. I did have fun though making the little magnetic faces. Gracie came around. She goes, "Mom, you look the best of everybody. Why didn't you take a picture?" I go, "Not really. I put myself outside the circle. I would have used." She goes, "Sally's in her pajamas." I said, "Well, I didn't want to cut up a good picture." Me, I hardly have any pictures of me. So um, anyway, so this circle of blessing, I wrote out, I would say, you know, when you look at, it it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Under the umbrella, it says in the Lord. And he's not addressing, he doesn't say, mom, make your dad, make your kids obey in the Lord. He's saying, children, obey your parents in the Lord. He's addressing that just to children. And then he says, honor your father and mother because honor is also respect. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with the promise. Okay, what's the promise? You know, things will go well with you and you will live a long life on this earth. If I told you there's a door prize for one person here and it's gonna be a guarantee that your children will live a long life full of blessing and it's underneath your seat, who would grab it first and see if they got the lucky number? Guys, y'all got the door prize but you've got to keep your kids in the circle of obedience. And so I would have used this on the refrigerator or whatever to say when you're outside the circle, then it's not going to go well with you. And also there there could be, and you look at that outside the circle is a heart, but it's a hardened heart. And if you don't really save your children, their hearts can get hard. And that's the last thing you want, guys. You've got to be on top of those small little weeds so what does that look like? Let me just show you a little bit about like, okay, so we've, we've discovered that it's willful disobedience and disrespect. So if your kids are having temper tantrums at you know your children. I always laugh because I always say, okay, I want to show a hands who has the smartest child in here and everybody's hand would go up. Oh yes, my child can count to 10 and backwards and in Spanish and this and that. Oh, and my child can do this and my child. And then I'll say, okay, well, who's disciplining their children? And they'll go, oh, they don't understand that yet. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Your child is reading Gone with the Wind and they don't understand... They are so smart. I interact with kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, Sally babysits a lot. And she'll come home and go, oh my gosh, mom, they have the smartest kids. They have the, blah, blah, you know, the neatest kids. And so, and I'm saying, you know, and, and they're two and they're doing all this stuff. I'm going, oh my gosh. Um, anyway, so, so I'm just telling you, they're smarter than we're giving them credit. They know when that two-year-old looks at you and picks up their milk and throws it willfully across the room, they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. And so we've got to be disciplining for that. So an example of that would be if you really think like a temper tantrum. When Sally had her first temper tantrum, it was 16 months, and I didn't know what it was. I mean, I'm sitting there looking at her, and I had put on a cheesy... Sally's like, why did you even have that cheesy Noah's Ark vest? I said, well, your lovey made that for you. But I put this vest on her, and she didn't want to wear it. So she lays out on the floor, kicking and screaming. And we were going to Wednesday night, enchilada Special, El Phoenix. And she's kicking and screaming. And I'm watching her like, oh, my goodness, what is this? And, she, and so my husband walks in about that time. So I mean, I'm like scurrying out of the room and turning off the light. And she's following me, just kicking and screaming and waving her arms. And so Blaine walks in, he goes, what is going on? I was like, she don't want to wear that vest. He said, Millie, take the vest off of her. Don't make that ruin the evening. And I said, oh no, my, my Dr. Peterman told me that no, I, you don't ever give your kids a taste of victory. She's wearing that vest. It may not be a good dinner. We'll sit in the corner, but it, she's wearing the vest. So we literally put her in the car. I said, I'm not going to let it ruin a lifetime. We strapped her in the car, you know, singing, you know, happy little songs. And we're pushing her in, strapping her in. We just had a short drive to North Park because we lived across the street at the time. And she. Uh, 30 minutes later, she's sitting in, in her high chair, dipping her chips in hot sauce, eating, eating the, the chips. With the vest on, I might add. So it wasn't worth spanking her for that. That was just the folly and that coming out in her heart. But if I had set the tone, that's why I put on here a worthy battle. Because guys, a lot of times parents say, oh, we're just, I'm not gonna pick that battle on clothes and what to wear. But it had become a disrespect. It was being disrespectful, you know, that she was acting that way. Then then the next day, I realized clothes are a big deal to her. So I would lay things out and she'd say, and I said, and I told her, Sally, You've got a choice. You can wear what you want. You can wear this or that. And then she would kind of, and then if we weren't going anywhere that day, then sky was the limit. But there's a lot of times that I would, she'd say, she'd get at the top of the stairs as she got a little older and say, Are we going anywhere? And I'd say, Nope, whatever you want to wear. And say, Ladies, gentlemen, that was not a good look sometimes. But if a friend called and asked us to go to lunch, she went like that, whatever she had on, because I didn't know we were going to go. So I'm just saying, if it's disrespectful, it, you've got to pick the battle. Now, I remember Gracie at four, um, she didn't want to wear a smock dress to church. She was four and a half or five. She did the same thing. She laid down on the ground, kicked and screamed and kicked and screamed. And I said, Gracie, you are going to get a spanking if you continue to act like this. I'm sorry, but this is very disrespectful. So she continued to kick and scream. I went down. I got my wooden spoon. I came back up. Now, what's hard about this, ladies, let me you know, point the full picture. My mom and dad were there. It'd be real easy to say, What do you want to wear? What do you want to wear? Just put on something that you'll wear. But I went down, I got my wooden spoon, she kicked and screamed, and she yelled louder than anything. And then I told her, I said, Hey, if you continue to act like this, you'll be wearing that smock dress all day long. So, guys, I hate to tell you, but later that afternoon in the backyard soccer, smock dress. But she knew. And so later in a low tide moment, we had the conversation of, Hey, Gracie. It would have been a lot wiser if you just come to me and said, Hey, Mom, can I have any other choices? She was almost five. She was plenty old enough to do that. So I'm just telling you, when it goes outside the circle, there's got to be a consequence. If you're not comfortable with spanking, please call me. Let's come up with something. God does clearly say about that the, the rod is reserved for the backside of who does not know wisdom. So we've got to do it. Okay, so then there's the. Okay, so this is, I say, write a script. Here's our script. You know, guys, how effective do you think this would sound? Do you want a spanking? I am your mother, and I said so. Now, your dad and I put a roof over your head, and we buy your clothes and every morsel of food that goes in your mouth. As long as you're going to live here, you're going to obey me. So now just get in here and get your spanking. I mean, really? What about honey? There is a God in heaven that is good. And gracious, and he loves you so much. And he's put you in a family with a mom and dad that love you, I mean, tremendously. Um, you know, this, if you do this, if you make this choice, it's not going to go well with you. It really isn't. Okay, what verse is that from? Um, a gentle answer turns away wrath. You know, that's truth coming in. How do you appeal to your kids? You that, this won't be your script. This, this won't be your script. But, but it's got to come from the same heart. Sweetie, that's not going to go well with you. If you choose to do that, if you hit your sister again, that is not going to go well with you. Now, some kids hit, and people say, well, if I spank them, it's very different. A spanking is different from a hitting. And so if your kids are hitting, and, and if y'all have questions about that, please save them for the questions because we've got you know moms that are walking in your life stage. But I'm just telling you. If you're spanking with the right heart, God is going to do what is right with that. Under that umbrella with a heart that's clear, because it's about your heart as well. It's not just their heart. But I hope that's not my picture of me. But anyways, when you restore your kids back to the circle, your restoration, that forgiveness, um, when you restore them back, uh, it's, a, it's like a block of butter in the microwave. Forgiveness melts hearts. And so, really, don't lose that part of, of restoration and restoring back to the back to the heart. Okay, real quick because we're gonna have to go. But anytime your kids do anything, add ten years. When my son, he, he one time uh, was mocking me about, oh, no, discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. That was probably one of my my favorite verses when I disciplined. So then I had Sally go get the wooden spoon, and before she got back, he's like, oh, honor your father and mother. Well. When I got back, he had a stool up and he was about to throw it at me at five. And I thought to myself, Oh my gosh, at fifteen this will not go well. Well that's him at fifteen and or that's him at eighteen. But I mean, so he's bigger than me, six four. Okay, so anger. We gotta we gotta get into the anger thing. Because let me tell you something. If this is you on the left talking to your children, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had a boss that yelled at you, but it's belittling. It's a deal killer, guys. It never feels good when somebody yells at you. And so if that's you, then add 10 years to that and your kids aren't even going to hear you. You might as well go ahead and put on your Christmas list for a megaphone or some kind of a, because you're going to need it. They are going to tune you out so quick and they will never hear it. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so keep, okay, so we got to ask ourselves. You know, we've got to be first responders and anger is a big deal. Keep calm, I'm a first responder. So are you a reactor or a responder? A responder, when you see somebody, if you weren't target and somebody dropped down on the aisle and they needed resuscitation, are you the person that would run around, oh my gosh, there's a person on aisle too? Are you the guy that would walk over and go, okay, look, listen and feel. You know, your kids need somebody that's trained and that's intentional because a first responder their heart is to save whatever life is in distress. And so when you've got a kid and you know they need training, we need to be first, respond, first responders and not reactors. Okay, so here's the deal. Mom, dad, I can always tell when somebody calls me mom and dad that have spent time with Jesus. There's a different product. There's a different product. If you're a mom and a dad that's hearts full of folly and you haven't had slept in a week and you haven't done this and you haven't spent any time with Jesus and you get with a child another variant, well, actually, that's kind of a constant because their child is going to be full of folly. It's not going to go well. But when you get a mom or a dad that's a first responder and that responds to a child that's got folly bound up in their heart, it's going to be a different outcome. And I have moms that call me all the time, and they're like, they will send me a long email, and if you've done it, please keep it coming. I love to do it. But I always, when I get with you over coffee or whatever, I'm like, okay, I I read your email, but tell me about it. Tell me what's going on. And they'll tell me, and I can always say, okay, I can't change the child. The child is the two-year-old child that's hitting, that's screaming, that's doing. I can't change that. That, that. Hello, that's who they are. But I can help you change your heart, and I can help you empower you, and I can push you back to truth. That I can do. And I'll tell you, most of the time, the parents come back and go, you're not going to believe things are so much better. All I did was help the mom or the dad or the whoever change themselves. And so that's what it is. A gentle answer turns away wrath. If you're a mom with your veins sticking out of your neck and you're pointing the finger, it's not going to go well, I'll just tell you. Okay, do not, this is one of my favorite verses, put this right behind, folly is bound up in the heart of the child. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. The only acceptable time to yell at your children is when your house is on fire. And just make that your your litmus test. Because if you're answering them with folly, I love this, I mean, I don't know why I put this in there, but go ahead, you can turn it. If your child is ringing the doorbell, you don't have to answer. And what I mean by that is if they're just over there, just ring, ding, ding, and it's like they're whining. You know what? I think the best thing to do for whining is just have a box sitting outside your door and say, oh, my gosh, that must be my new ears. I got new ears today, and I don't hear any whining. And so I'm going to go put those on. And so if your kids whine, moms, dads, don't even look at them. I was with the mom and dad. And, and I was working with them, and the dad kept saying, oh, I got new ears. You know, he was kind of trying to do it. And then he'd say, oh, I got new ears. I don't hear whining. And then about I was like, you got new ears. You don't hear him whining. So it was like, they, you don't look at them. You don't respond to them. You don't ever look at them. Now, when they do come over and they hit you because they're trying to get your attention, then that becomes a disrespect issue. Whining's really not a disrespect issue. It's just that then when they're whining, whining, I want your phone, I want your this, I want your this, and you hand it to them, then you've just given them that, that taste of victory. Okay, so okay, so where would your kids prefer to live, left or right? I can tell you where they prefer to live because that, well, they might say the house on the left, but I'll tell you, go ahead and change the sign. On the back of that picket fence, a lot of times is materialism, jealousy, divorce, anger, envy, greed. They're going to want to live in the house where there's love. One of my favorite verses, and oh, you can go ahead. I put only you and your children know what goes on in your four walls. You can go ahead. Uh, It says, better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf. Okay, your kids don't care if it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If they feel loved around that dinner table and they feel encouraged and they feel, you know, like there's unconditional love, that's what they're going to want to eat that night. Um, Real quick, I'm just going to touch on this. um, But... I love this slide because, I mean, I love this verse, and this is in Mark 6. It just talks about the disciples when they were on the boat and and Jesus walked out. Jesus, at the beginning of that, he says, Jesus made them get in the boat. He made them. And so I just challenge you right now. And the disciples, when they saw him on the water, even though they had just come off seeing the loaves and fishes... And seeing him feed the 5,000, they still didn't get it. God says their hearts were hardened. And so I just say, but they were amazed when they saw Jesus get in the boat and call him out. They were amazed. But I tell you what, guys, we need to move from amazement to we need to move our hearts. We need to be transformed and moved. So where right now with a child, with a spouse, your marriage, this, that, where is God making you get in the boat? Because he knows you're going to be a better person for it. Just like that with the Lord. So... Um, I, that's, I talked about that with dessert, you know, the, uh, dessert promises and just really the desert just to kind of take you through. So just record God's truth and what's good for you. What were you see God working in your life and notice, I used to always tell my kids that people notice. And so when Sally, it was sweet because there's no really way to say that. I'd always say, well, people, and they go, mom, we know people notice, you know, because they would tell me things about my kids and sometimes good, sometimes bad. But when Sally wrote her letter, I'll just tell you what it, a little bit to blame what it said. But it just said, um, one thing I've learned early was to remember, Surround yourself with people that build you up in your relationship with Christ instead of tearing you down. Now, this was her letter to her brother to college. Something you will learn very quick is how good we have it. I've seen my friends go through a lot of heartache because of their parents, the way they treat them, or how they grew up. Nothing has made me appreciate mom and dad more than showing us unconditional love. Even though we always give mom a hard time about telling us that people notice, it's never been more true than in college. I'm so lucky to have you as a brother that loves me and loves a sister And so I just, I would tell you that people do notice. And so when you notice, when someone tells you something good about your kids, plant those deposits in their heart. When they tell you something and you need to handle it, you know, you've got to handle those things. Go ahead. Okay, so what happens is we're going to reap what we sow. And in the back, it just says those teachable moments. Don't, don't war the, don't, you know, you want teachable moments, and sometimes they're hard. But in uh, Ecclesiastes 11, it says, we've got a plant in the morning and in the evening because we don't know which one will take root. And then in Galatians 6, 9, in due time. Now, that was really one of my favorite scriptures. And I will tell you, there was two scriptures I quoted with Blaine all the time. One was do all things without arguing complaining. And then the obedience, doing what I'm told, when I'm told, with a cheerful heart, which went with the, you know, now i say good attitude and a trusting heart. But um, those are the things that went with... Um, together. And then I would always say no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who've been trained by it. I wasn't sure when I was saying that guys, who was going to get the, the, the harvest of righteousness and peace, if it was going to be me or if it was going to be him, but it was up for grabs. And I will tell you when Blaine um, was, went off to uh, camp at the age of, I guess he was 11, he was at T bar M and the, the little coaches always get up and they, in front of the whole group and they say two godly character traits that they see in your child. And so you never know what they're going to be. I always wondered, Sally went to camp with some friends and I thought, I wonder what she's going to get. Cause they were, and they'd say determined, you know, and you'd say, yeah, she really is determined. But you know, I didn't know what they were going to say for Blaine. But when they got up there, the, the little coach said peaceful and obedient. And I just started crying because I thought, you know, that was at age three and here he was 11. It was eight years later and somebody saw that trait in my child, obedience and peaceful. he said, yeah, if you told Blaine to put on his shoes, he was the only one sitting on his bed with his shoes on. And I will tell you, Blaine is one of the most obedient children I've ever met in my life. If you told him to be home at 12, he was home at 10 till or 12. I mean, he never pushed the envelope on things. And, and that's what I want to say is big picture parenting. I don't know, guys, if... You know, we think we want to just, our kids to get in, into heaven, have their name written in the book. But there's so much bigger picture than that. I don't want you to miss it. So we're going to watch this, slide, this video, and then we'll go. And I'm sorry, you can just leave that up. We'll go on to the video, and then watch a little video, and then we'll be. And I knew I was going to go long. I was supposed to be down at 1220, so I apologize, because I still have a lot of time. The Lord giveth and the Lord him.
1: taketh away. Yeah. And that's the Lord giveth givet th- and the Lord taketh away. Yeah. And that's something that my family and I have been through Did you put it on 130? We lost Frank. The Lord giveth oh. and the Lord taketh away. Yeah. And that's something that my family and I have been
0: through. Okay, she's just going to.
1: And, who, uh, knows a lot. and we, we laughed up to the very end, and... I just want everybody to know that this is a man who uh, was at complete peace in his life. He might have been the happiest, most contented person in the world at this Mm -hmm. point in his life. Um, But I want you guys to know something about Frank. And that is when he was a young boy, born into a very different world than the the world we live in today, the Depression. He was born in in 1930 uh, into a poverty-stricken home where his father was an oil worker. And um, and. They, the new poverty, the way I, so many people can't even, he ate dog food sometimes as a child, the family did, and was grateful to have it. We, uh, he, ate, he lived 29 different places before he was even at Bakersfield High School because his father couldn't get work during the Depression. And we know that from his mother's Bible, where she would say something like June 6th, um, 1938, arrived in Wink, Texas. Dad can't find work. Moving on tomorrow. Hmm. And, and that shaped the man that Frank became very, very much. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to literally have no clothes on his back. Even when he went to USC uh, to play football there, he had one pair of jeans and a white shirt. And so, people who think that he was born with this silver spoon in his mouth, he goes, "We didn't have spoons, <laughs> you know." But it made him so grateful. Honestly, he's the most grateful human being I've ever. Ever known, in it that colored everything he did. And um, he would want you all to know that when he was a little boy, we know that where he lived and all that because of his mother's Bible. They had nothing, but they had their faith. And every time they moved to a new city, or they, they weren't cities, a new town, his mother and father would put him and his, his other his siblings. They'd go to church every week as a family, and that kept them together as a family through the darkest, darkest times. And as a young child. Frank asked Jesus into his heart, and that remained with him for the rest of his life. He strayed from his faith on occasion, but his faith never left him. And especially after we found each other and started sharing our faith together, it became more and more and more important to Frank. Um, he, his world got smaller as his God got bigger. And, um, and he'd want you to know that, that he dried uh, in complete peace he knew every sin he'd ever committed was forgiven he had the hope that he would be with the lord and that we would someday be with him as well that is the 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 foundation of the christian faith is forgiveness grace and hope and those of you who are hurting today or feel hopeless it might be the answer for you in fact i know it's the answer for you and um one thing i do know about him is when we went to um the Holy Land, a couple of years ago, he came back a completely different person. He, we went to a place called the Brook of Elah, in the Valley of Elah, where the um, shepherd boy David fought a different kind of giant named Goliath. And our friend uh, Ray, who took us there, took us down to the Brook of Elah, and he said, all right, pick up a stone, because that's what David the shepherd boy did. He picked up five stones, because he thought he might need more than one. He did that, the slingshot, and, and slew the, the, the giant. Um, but... As Ray pointed out to us, it's, the miracle wasn't that the shepherd boy was able to kill the giant. The miracle was that the shepherd boy, who already had all the skills he would ever need in life, trusted in a living God, not a religion, but a living God. And Frank came back with a completely new perspective. And towards the end, after that trip, Hoda, you know, because you came with Joel. If somebody wanted to see his trophy room, they went into it, and he didn't take him to the bust at the end of this Hall of Fame. Yeah. He didn't take him to see his Emmys or his rings or his, all of his trophies. He took them straight over to the stone mm-hmm. that we brought back from the bro- Brook of Vela. And we got home from the Holy Land, and Cassidy graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she was expecting, but <laughs> she got a stone. And we said to her, Cass, where are you going to throw your stone for the kingdom of God? What is your stone and where are you going to throw it? A week later, Cody graduated from college, USC, film school. He got a stone. And um, if you ever leave a legacy for your children, let it be that you've taught them friendship with God. And you've taught them to find their stone and show it. Show it. Throw it hard and well. And transform.
0: Okay, guys. I mean, I get teary-eyed just watching that. And the reason I wanted to show you there, there's a couple things that I really see in there that I want to... Oh, gosh, we got some criers. Give me, save me a Kleenex over there. Um, I want y'all to understand that, you know what? There's a couple things that stick out to me in there. Put your phones up. Get your Bibles out. They knew about God's faithfulness from, from Frank Gifford's Bible, his mother's Bible, how she recorded that kind of stuff in there. Get your Bibles out. Um, if you want to experience fruit, get your Bibles out. right in your Bibles right where God's answering, answering prayers. Um, as his world got smaller, his God got bigger. Give your kids a big God. We've got a big God. And he's doing things. I, I, I love, there's nothing more than I love to get a text. I got a text from a mom recently. And she said, my husband and I enjoyed a mango this morning. Well, I knew what that meant. They'd gotten fruit. I'd gone to their house and spent some time with them and kind of given them a plan to empower them. It was all from God. And we had been praying about it. And, and they got a little bit of fruit. And that's the way she impressed it to me as they would gotten a mango. I, there were supposed to be some stones on their ta- on your table, and they may not be there, but I just empower you. Where are you going to cast your stone today? We've all been given the commission of truth, and we've all got a stone to cast, and we, we, we need to do it for the kingdom. This is not survival mode. This is kingdom perspective, and so you may look at it as, as survival mode, and I hope you'll go back to the purpose and what that does for you, but thank you for your time today. We're going to have some questions, and y'all are gonna, and then there's
2: going to be some moms that are going to come up here. So thank y'all a lot. Okay, um, lots of questions coming in. So we're going to start. Here we go. Uh, Mandy, um, would you please answer the first question we're um, going to address here? Are, are I'm going to just read it. What are your thoughts around counting down out loud before disciplining? And in relationship to that, how many times should you warn a two-year-old before punishing? This,
3: okay, yeah. Um, so... For me, and the reason there's a panel is because everybody's opinions are different and we want you to get a varying idea of different kind of parenting. Um, for me, the, I, I, we don't count down in my house. You either obey or you don't obey. However, when you're dealing with young children, ages two to even four, I mean, I have a four-year-old right now and I still have to do this. Part of the problem with the not obeying right away is because the parent didn't deliver the information the first time properly. So... We're running around, we're grabbing our jacket and brushing our hair and looking for our cell phone because we're trying to get out the door and we're yelling, go get your tennis shoes and meet me by the door. Or, go grab your jacket or fill your water bottle for soccer or whatever, whatever you're doing you're spouting off information or if it's your two-year-old and you, you know, you're running by, the, they're playing and you're like, put your blocks away before we leave, whatever, whatever it is, you need to make eye contact and deliver the information properly the first time. And the reason why sometimes we don't get the obey right away is because we're just spewing off information out of our head and we're not actually delivering the way that we should. So for me, if I spout off instruction and then I turn around and note, and this, this child or all of my children usually haven't done what I've asked, then we have to regroup. I have to get down on one knee, I have to look him in the eye and I have to say, Hey, listen, I asked you to go get your shoes a few minutes ago and I see you didn't get your shoes." I'm gonna assume that maybe you didn't understand me or didn't hear me. So I'm looking in your eyes and I want you to obey me the first time. Ready? Would you please go get your shoes for me? Then if they don't go get their shoes, you have a discipline issue. And if they do get their shoes, you get the opportunity to go, I love the way you heard what I said and you did what I said. That's obeying right away. Good job. That oh, that's that makes
0: and, and on here, I put clear expectations and delivery. And that's exactly what that is. I mean, when you're counting, that's saying, that's not no taste of victory. I mean, that's, that, that you're, you're not being consistent with that because it's got to be the if and then. If you don't go get your shoes on then there will be a consequence. Did you hear, Mommy? And I love the way Mandy put that because that's good delivery. Boys are very visual learners. And so they like to be painted a picture of what your expectations are. When we go into
2: Target, this is what I expect from you. So great job
0: on Yeah, it's great.
2: This is really challenging. Um, Does Watermark have a routine parenting class? Yes, we do. Um, There is a class called Parenting on Point. Um, We're going to put Wes Butler's information up on the screen here in a minute. Um, Men, if you would like to talk to another guy about discipline, he's a great person to contact. He's our family minister's pastor. They also have a Parenting on Point class. I don't know the full details on it, but you can find it there. And then also, Millie actually has a class she runs. um, It's a four-week discipline class where you unpack what you heard today a little bit more. And if that's something you're interested in, we contact Mandy by email. Okay, we contact Mandy by email, and you can also on our Facebook page say, Mandy, put me in your
3: class, and she'll get in touch with you. Mandy's email is... At uh, Mandy, M A N D Y, Cisco, S I S C O 05, at Yahoo. Mandy, Cisco 05, at Yahoo. I won't remember to put you on the list if you do it via Facebook, so do it via email. Thank you. That's
2: a good time. Okay. Um, the next
3: question Millie, what is the difference between
2: spanking and hitting? Okay, well, I think when a child hits you, I mean, I think it all goes
0: back to a heart issue, and so when your child comes up and they're frustrated, or they're, then they'll hit you out of frustration. Now, sometimes I think parents can hit out of frustration as well, and that's going to be ineffective parenting. So I think when you're spanking, it's very intentional. They're they're warned. They know if you do that again, then you're going to get a spanking. And then you don't warn them again. There's no more warnings. You don't say, I'm going to count to three, and if you do that again, one, two. Two, two and a half, two and three, four I mean I see parents all the time it's it's if you say it then you're going to go then you're going to get a spank and then you have to walk in and so it's a very intentional you know you just it's a popping them on the leg it's almost like in a volcano that's about to erupt and you pop them on the leg and it's almost like they just melt because it's they want kids crave discipline they really do they want to know the boundaries they want you to set those clear expectations. I love if you put a playground on a, on a field and you have a fence around it, there's always going to be those kids that go to the boundaries and climb on the fence. That's their, their, their playground. And there's always those kids, if you don't have a fence around it, they want to know where the boundaries are. They'll stay right around the playground. So create these good boundaries for your kids and let them know clear expectations. But hitting usually for a child is like frustration. It's just like they, my kids all went through that and I would just hold their hand down and go, no ma'am, we do not hit mommy. We love mommy. We're gentle with mommy. Always use clear, use words they're going to see in the Bible. Gentle, kind. Don't say, that's ugly. You know, don't do that again. That's ugly to hit your brother. Well, girls start equating ugly with the way they look. And so use biblical terms always when you're talking about, but gentleness, kind, loving, loving.
3: That kind of thing. And I think a lot of times people are worried that if I spank my kid they will learn to hit that behavior. And those two things are not connected if you're spanking with intentionality. Yeah. When you're able to have a controlled moment where you say you're receiving a spanking because you did this. But they need to see that self control. When you you will not teach your kid to hit unless you're, you know, at the grocery store and they're misbehaving and you're just spanking them right there. Just don't do that. Don't do that. You know, that's Mm -hmm. not I think hitting is an emotional thing. It comes from an um, um, emotion, and spanking mm-hmm. comes from intentional discussion followed with discipline.
2: right and to elaborate on that, lots of questions coming in about can you elaborate on specifically how to spank and what 's the difference between spanking and hitting and teaching your child that and so, um, as Mandy said, spanking is a it 's a deliberate it's a it 's a thought out process. You have a plan that you and your spouse have agreed upon. And so in my family, what that looks like when my child has done a behavior or made a choice that isn't a result in a spanking, it's Parker, I need you to go wait for mommy in your room, please. And they go to their room and I'm like, okay, what am I doing? What happened? Was it disrespect? Was it what what's going on? I collect my thoughts, figure out what I'm disciplining, what I'm correcting in my child. Then I go to his room, I sit on his bed, I might have him come to me, I might have him sit next to me. Um, whatever. I I don't think you have to require eye contact at this point, because often when we're ashamed or we're upset, like, we kind of do that. Um, But you do require eye contact, I believe, for restoration. And so he would come to me, and I said, okay, why did mommy send you to your room? And I I try to help him explain that. And then I was like, you are going to get a spanking, because the way that you spoke to me when you said this was disrespectful. And disrespect requires a spanking in our family and so then i issue the spanking and then afterwards it's and i said would you do you have anything you would like to say to mommy and and the goal is to get to registration that uh picture that that handout that you have the goal is to get him to issue the consequence help him to understand and then it's mommy would you please forgive me for being disrespectful with the way that i spoke to you and then I said, Of course, I forgive you. I love you. And then you share the gospel with them because God forgives you 70 times seven, right? And so you do that, and then you love them and you hug them, and then you come out of the room and you're back to normal. That's what, and that's not a hit. Like Mandy just said, when you're in the grocery store, stab it, stab it, and you're spanking their leg, like that, that's probably gonna teach them the hit. Um, but when it is a controlled behavior and it's thought out and, and you're not in anger, um, if you're in anger, then there's, there's some things we're going to address next. Uh, but it's not in an anger um, action. And so the next question I want to answer is
4: Amy. Anger. Anger. Yay. Yay. Okay, so um, my husband and I both struggle uh, or have struggled with um, disciplining and anger. And so, um, and it's because we have to be so consistent and we don't always see that fruit right away the way we want to, the way that we think that we would if we were, like, disciplining ourselves or teaching ourselves. And so um, so what I found that helped me a lot um, is if if I was getting tempted to, to discipline in anger, um, I had some things that would help me just kind of step away um, and be kind of a quick fix for that moment. Of It's a safe separation um, from you and your, your child. Maybe it's them sitting at a table and you're right in the kitchen next to them. You're you know, away enough that where you can see them. But you can kind of take a, a break, breathe, say a prayer, um, and kind of get yourself together before you move forward with any discipline. Um, I've also had times where there was a, a thing where my, my oldest – when he was still napping, which was years ago, um, when he would just keep getting up and like, would not stay in his room. And so I actually, rather than getting worked up and getting frustrated, my husband would come home at work during his lunch hour and he would put him down for the nap. Um, and, and he would stay there and help me discipline through that moment while we were in that season. I mean, we were just fortunate that he was able to do that. And it did help because he realized that he wasn't going to get to win and then I wasn't also getting worked up at the same time. Um, but those are kind of Band-Aids, for anger, which is an issue that we all could have. And when when we started looking at what was causing that anger, it helped so much. Um, I would get so angry when my kids would embarrass me. Like, when we were out somewhere and they were misbehaving, I would be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Why can't you just, you know, whatever. Um, And so that's my heart issue. Like, I can't get wrapped up in... um, and being embarrassed over how my kids are going to behave. And I can't allow that to, to lead into anger. Um, my husband always felt so disrespected because if the kids weren't obeying, he was like, I'm the dad. You're supposed to be obeying me. And that would get him worked up into anger. And so if you have a temptation to move towards anger when you're working with your kid or when you're disciplining your kids, um Talk with your spouse, talk with your community, figure out what is in your heart that's getting you to the point of anger, um, and start working on that. Um, and so, so you can move to where you are disciplining without having that emotion there.
0: One thing I'd say real quick is a verse, uh, Proverbs fourteen seventeen comes to mind, and it says, A quick-tempered man does foolish things. And so when we're quick tempered, we do foolish things. So let's just point this all back to the Lord. So, it, you know, it doesn't become our opinions because that's true. A quick tempered man doesn't do wise things. It's got to be very intentional. So I just wanted to you know, just throw in scripture there, what God tells us Thank and you. thanks for us. I, I
3: have a quick verse too. It's um, Psalm 4, 4 is what I use in my family. And I used to use it for my kids and now I use it for myself. Isn't that fun? <laughs> it's be angry, but do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. And so that's what I use with my kiddos when they're angry and upset. I always say let's go to our beds Let's have some silence and let's search our hearts because that's what god's word instructs us to do And now I do it for myself, too When I find myself getting worked up I'm like mommy's going to her bed to search her heart and be silent and i'll be back in a moment
2: That's good. Okay. This is for all three of us because we have little bitty still how do um I handle a school age firstborn who thinks and acts like he's a parent of his younger brothers or siblings Any thoughts on that, either of you? How do you handle, like, the oldest child trying to parent, but he's still maybe three-ish, four-ish, but trying to help parent your little one? Oh, I have that. Son, specifically? Seven. Okay, the seven-year-old's trying to parent. Oh, yeah, yeah, That must have been Jill.
3: Well, everybody in my house wants to parent. Um, I think that the, you have a leader on your hands, and that's really exciting mm-hmm. um, and fun to watch well that said. they're able to lead in that way. And you can really encourage that character quality. Um, my daughter loves to do this because she's the only girl that I have, and so we always call her the second mama. And um, I just I keep it really lighthearted in these moments, and I just say they need a sister, not a second mom. They need a sister, not a second mom. And I, and I just remind her a lot. But the fact is, I rely on that oldest one a lot, and she is kind of the second mom sometimes. And so you can't be, you know, you can't have both. And so um, I have to be really careful how much I get frustrated with her because she's so helpful as well. And so you do have somebody that's a helper there. So just encouraging that character trait and saying, oh, you're such a good leader, but let me be the mama, and you be the brother, or you be the
2: sister. Okay. And to add to that, I have one of those too. And, um, and I say a lot to him. Like, your job is to help model right choices. Um, your job is to encourage your brother and sister to do the right thing. But your job is not to parent them. That's mommy's job. And so he is quick to tell me when so-and-so is not doing what they have been told to do. And I'm like, have you told your sister? Have you encouraged her to do what she's supposed to be doing? No. Well, then why are you telling me? Would you like her to get in trouble? And they're quickly like, because that's really what's all about. It's justice will be served, right? That's what it's about. And so point them back and say, go encourage her to do the right thing before I catch her doing the wrong thing. And maybe she'll, you'll help her avoid getting a punishment because that's what you really want, right? You're really wanting them to champion each other. Um, next question. When do they outgrow spankings? We're going to go back to that real quick. Anybody want to answer that? <laughs> we
3: anything. all
2: have a few thoughts on it. And What do you want to start? Yeah. When to quit spanking.
3: Um, my immediate thoughts are that, um, my oldest just turned 10 and spankings are still on the table. And I've told her that before and they're not, they're not very often, they're few and far between, but, um, we even had kind of a crazy moment not too long ago. And I said, here's the expectation. If it's not delivered on everyone in this house will receive three spankings and it doesn't matter your age or if you're a boy or a girl, or if you think you're guilty or not, this is the expectation. And this is what, and, and they, they were wide-eyed, my two biggest, um, nine and 10 were like, what? We have a spanking in like seven months and you know, whatever. And I said, but spankings are still on the table. And so I think it's going to vary for each person and especially on personality. Cause we even have one kid who just doesn't get spankings. He just doesn't need them. We have another kid. They're not very effective. So he doesn't get them very often anyways. And then we have one that gets one like five times a day. So yeah. So that's really just going to depend. But for me, safety issues are spanking issues. And so Mm -hmm. if my kids cannot obey for safety reasons, then spankings are still on the table for sure. That's great. Basically, there's no magical number.
2: Um, mm-hmm. When they're two and three, they're probably going to receive a lot more, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to taper down four, five, six, seven. As they get older, around six and seven, you're going to be able to be more creative with consequences, mm-hmm. and things are going to hurt, like taking away technology time and things like that are going to hurt a little bit more, which is going to help them still understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and find yeah. all the right direction and just
0: be a student of your children i mean that 's part of what it is. be a student because they 're all different and they 're all going to respond differently to different things. I love what Mandy said. I mean my daughter, my youngest daughter she 's gotten spankings. I mean, she's almost 16 now. I have spanked her recently as of late, but I mean, I think up to 10, 11, 12, I mean, she's had a spanking. So, and, and it really was one of those things where it just needed to clear the air. At that point, it was more of an air clearing thing than just a spanking. And then let's talk about this because she would get so ramped up,
2: you know. Okay. This is the last and final question. Um, cause, and it's a doozy. I think all of you will have dealt with this. How do you discipline for toddlers not wanting to go to bed or stay in bed? How do you get them to sleep? Do you discipline if they Come out of their rooms because they're scared, truly scared, not just manipulating you. Everyone got that one? Yeah, yeah good.
3: Okay. Um, who wants to go first? I
2: wrote notes. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, good. I'll I wrote notes. some
3: notes on this um, just in advance because this is an, a question that gets asked a lot. So the big thing here is that it's super frustrating, right? when our kids won't stay in bed, no matter what the reason, doesn't matter if they're scared or if they are manipulating you, it's super frustrating because it's the end of the day and you're exhausted and you just really want to be done. You want to be done hearing mommy and be done serving and be, I mean, if we're all being honest, that's really kind of the thing is it's late and it's tired and you should be in bed. Um, And so this is the time of night where I really have to die to self and remember Philippians 2 and love them in a Philippians 2 kind of way. There have been times where I give the clear expectation and we're still getting out of bed and I've had to discipline. I hate putting my kids to bed on spankings. I hate it more than anything in the world. Um, but it has been done on numerous occasions in our house. Um, but the thing that, I'm, that I'm, my heart has been bent towards more often than any is when Millie talks about those marbles that she takes out of her jar every year so she can watch it dissipate. That's what I think about is my boys are not going to be 16 and asking, wanting to be with me. I'm not going to get to lay in bed and scratch their back and have pillow talk with them when they're that old. They're just not going to want it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so if my kid desires my company, my Riley, he's my fireball. And he's always wanted out of his room. Always, always. And if he couldn't get out the door, then he was going to go out the window because he just wants to be with us. And he doesn't, he doesn't fall asleep easily. He never has. And so It can take upwards of 35 to 45 minutes of scratching his back and talking to him about his day. And he eventually falls asleep. And I have started to see that as a labor of love for my son. Um, It wasn't so much I want to be disobedient because he didn't want those whoppers at night either. He just really had a hard time falling asleep and needed more love and attention. Parent for character, not for comfort. And for me, at night is the hardest time for me to make that decision because I want to parent for comfort. I want to have a bowl of ice cream and watch American Idol and not be interrupted. But that just... That just is not the stage of life that I'm in. Yeah. To answer, to add to that,
2: um, make sure there's clear expectations and make sure your expectations are reasonable. Um, I've learned when I were younger, it was like love you, kiss you, sing a song, read a Bible story, go to bed, and then I could leave. But as they got older, they they did have they they needed a little bit more download time because you have more kids, most likely, and they don't get your full attention. So also be mindful of how you're investing in them throughout the day. Are you distracted all the time? Have you given them one-on-one eye contact? And- sat with them. It doesn't have to be a four hour play session, but it might need to be a 15 minute coloring session with them or, or whatever it is, make sure you're pouring into them. um, so that they do feel filled up when they're going to bed. Um, my daughter is a manipulator. And so you need to determine, is it manipulation or is it not? She, y'all, I'm not kidding you. She will sit there and she was crying. She got out of bed several times, several times. This is like new to me. Like she's sick. She does this like not new to me. This is fresh to me. And uh, she got out of bed several times, and I was so exhausted. And then this next time, it's always something that seems reasonable. Like, she has eczema. My legs are itchy. I need my eczema medicine. Well, yeah, they are. Okay. I'm thirsty. I need to go potty. I'll go potty. and And then she came out the next time, like, bawling, like, truly upset because she missed her Grammy, who lives four hours away. And I'm like, I don't know, like... All of the, you know. And then eventually, I finally, I used Millie's uh, points and just kind of used humor. And I was like, Callie Marie, you were just giggling and laughing when I put you in your room. And she goes, <laughs> walked away. Like, she straight up turned it on like that. And it was believable. So you need, yes, wow, right? For the, I'm thankful I have one girl sometimes because of this. And so you've just got to be a student. Like, you've got to know, ask questions. There are other times she's truly been terrified of something she's seen. And we have to sit down and talk about how we need to think about whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's noble, and we have to train our mind. Like, there's times I do do that because she's truly scared. But you just need to truly understand your child. The most important thing is you and your spouse are on the same page and how to handle it. Okay, I'm getting the flash. It is okay. time to go. It's time to go. Um, ladies, so many great questions. So glad mm-hmm. you were here. Husbands as well. Okay. And if you didn't, if,
0: if your question was not answered, uh, be, feel free to call me or Holly or Jill this week. I mean, I'd love to answer. There's one about 18-month-old and a newborn. I'd love to answer that. I've got some thoughts on that. So if that was you that sent the question in. But guys, of all things, I just hope that you all leave here encouraged and just in charge, you know. Just I, I, I hope this was was a B12 injection for you, that you go out empowered. So, thank you.